Today's guest is going to talk about what happens when your parents tell you you have to get a job. Let's talk about being brave, learning new skills, being uncomfortable, and why volunteering is important in building your community with Courtney Callan. Let's grow, girls. Greetings, friends. Are you feeling frustrated or stuck in the student-to-professional transition? Looking for early career growth or dreaming of the next step in your journey to greatness? I'm Jody Lynch-Findley, your thriving equine professional, podcaster, speaker, and coach. Inside this podcast, you will gain clarity through tactical advice to better understand yourself and others. You will build confidence to boldly pursue your dreams on purpose. And you will grow your community, uncovering tools to cultivate an intentional community supporting your journey. So let's dig in. If you are ready to thrive, get the ponies fed, fill those water buckets, grab your journal, and let's grow, girl. I'm here to help you thrive, to live inspired, fulfilled, and empowered. Hello, friends. I think that I'm going to start calling my podcast listeners Thrivers here on the Thriving Equine Professional. Welcome back, Thrivers, to episode 11. And again, we have such a tremendous guest with us today. So I am so excited to kind of unpack the career journey of a truly thriving equine professional who has been in the industry now for this should be about your 11th year, I think, Courtney. And so you have really shown what can be done with an equine science degree. So I, I want to walk through a little bit of your journey. And for our listeners, Courtney Kalnan is uh, Lexington, Lexingtonian now, right? But yeah. um, tell us a little bit, Courtney, about where you came from and where you are today. And then we'll dig into your journey. Yeah, so I am so excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. Um, so I actually moved to Lexington in 2007. I took a gap year between high school and college, didn't really know what I wanted to do and took that year to find myself. Like you said, went to the University of Kentucky and got an equine science degree. And from there, jumped right into um, animal health. So doing uh, veterinary cells and have just transitioned from a sales position into a strategy role and now into a product manager position. So it has been quite the journey, not the path that I saw myself going at all. Um, I definitely thought I was going to ride horses for the rest of my life whenever I went to college or be a veterinarian. So it has been quite the journey. And that is exactly why I wanted to have this conversation with you, Courtney. And I just feel like really being able to share with our listeners how different that looked. So you went to college, you got an equine science degree and had no intention of going into a sales role in animal health. Is that right? 
That is correct. So (laughs) while I was in school, I realized that I was not going to be able to get into vet school. As much as I loved it, that was not going to be the path that I was going to take. I also realized I really enjoyed competing my horses and that was kind of my outlet. And I realized that when I was working with horses every day that I didn't enjoy my own when I was at home. So knew that that wasn't going to be my path, had to figure out something else to do. While I was in college, I worked at the Gluck Equine Research Center in immunology, discovered a love for science but also had a sales job. I worked at Wise Choice, which is a tax shop in Lexington, and then for Dewberry. So had a little bit of sales experience, had some science, and knew I had to have a job when I graduated. My parents were very upfront about that, that I was going to be off the payroll, and I had to figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) So as most seniors do, you start to panic around March when you don't have anything lined up and you realize you have like eight weeks left to figure out how to pay. So I was fortunate enough that um, UK had an equine career fair. And I think it was maybe one of the first couple of years that they did this. And so I printed out my resume, went and was like, I have to find a job at this. Like, I have to figure out something to do. And I looked at um, all of the different sessions that they had offered. I think they had four different ones. And one of them said um, pharmaceutical sales. And I was like, well, I like to sell things. That's pretty easy. And I like science. So I walked in and decided to be really brave and threw my resume down on the table in front of these two older men and said, give me a job. And they just kind of <laughs> looked at me. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting there going, I have no idea what I'm going to say to them. And that, those are the words that came out of my mouth were give me a job. <laughs> and then I, <laughs> then I was like, oh, well, I've done this and this and this. And they gave me their business card, took my resume. And little did I know the people I was talking to, one of them was the head of equine sales for a company called Patterson Veterinary Supply. And I guess I left a really great impression and I kept following up with him. So I think he got really sick of me emailing and calling him for the next couple of weeks. But I had that job when I graduated. That's amazing. And and it truly is. There's so many pieces and parts of that. I love that you just recognize that t- that took bravery. Yeah. You know, so I talk a lot about being courageous and confident, but that truly does like it doesn't mean you're not scared to death mm-hmm. in the moment, right? Absolutely. It was terrifying to do that, but I decided that my need to find a job and have a way to support myself and support my horses when I graduated was bigger than my fear of them saying no, because no is all that that's the worst thing that could happen was that they said no. Yes. And, and good for you for really being able to share that Courtney, because we do talk a lot about those moments of panic with young people, young women, especially who are like, I don't know what I want to do. Well, most of us don't, and we'll be real honest. You know, there are some folks that are really clear they want to become an equine veterinarian or they want to go into pharmaceutical sales, but but that isn't the case for many of us. So I think that that's a tremendous story. Now, also, before we jump into the rest of your career evolution, which has been, you know, really such a trajectory for you, I, I do want to say that very early on in your career, you also stepped into a couple of roles of service. 
I know that early on, you and I, of course, met one another just professionally being there in Lexington, but you are extremely involved with the hashtag best weekend all year and Jody's favorite weekend at the Kentucky First Park. And that is Land Rover Kentucky three-day event, which of course, at that point in time was the Rolex Kentucky Mm -hmm. three-day event. You have served on the board of directors there. Um, Courtney, I think you're also a vice president with the Mid-South Eventing and Dressage Association. So talk about how you stepped into service roles so early in your career. Yeah, I think that that came along mainly from my connections. I, Whenever I was in school, I didn't really have a lot of money to continue to compete my horses regularly. I mean, I was paying for everything. And so the way I went out and met people was by volunteering at the local events. And the more that you show up, you start meeting people. And I met really influential people, um, especially through my background in pony club. So that was kind of my connection when I moved to Lexington was my mom started calling the pony club leaders in town and got me involved. And then through that, I started volunteering. Um, And I started attending Land Rover, or as it was known back then, Rolex, as a kid. It was our girls weekend. My mom and my grandma, we would come to Lexington and do that trip. And So every year I kept volunteering, was involved with Pony Club, and then joined the board in 2014. And that has been quite an amazing experience. Um, It's my favorite week all year because I get to give back. I love interacting with the riders and the owners. And then also I, you know, always make sure and I stop and talk to that little girl who it's her first time at the horse park and her eyes are huge and she's just soaking it all in. So... Oh, that gives me chills. We, you know, because we know the feeling and we see the delight and the joy. And so again, and I'm always saying for our listeners, these kinds of careers that overlap and are complementary of your passion and your love, they're possible. Mm -hmm. And we can do we can do these things, we can continue to go the places that we want to go. And while we have to sacrifice in order to do so, it's possible. So I I really, I know how much heart and soul you pour into those roles that you have. So I wanted to be sure to share that because that's in addition to working a full-time job that is above and beyond. I always say, with, if you choose a career in the equine industry, it's not just a job. It is part of your life. It is part of your life. Absolutely. You live, breathe, eat, everything is equine. And that doesn't just have to be working with horses every day. I think that was something I had a hard time accepting at first was that I could make my life about equine and about animal health without actually being a rider or a trainer, because that was not going to be the path for me. Yes. Great point there. And for me, I always say, and our listeners have heard this enough, it it is we're here for the love of the horse. So many of us, that is where this madness begins, if you will. But when it comes down to it, I am here really for our listeners. I am here for the people. I'm here for the, the community that we have built. And, you know, certainly you being a part of that, this is an example of that and building that community and really continuing to pour into uh, the, the next generation of leaders in equine and animal health. So, well, let's, let's jump back to you and your career journey and bring us forward from that first role in distribution. So you were in sales for a distributor and let's take that to the next step. 
Yeah. So that's actually how you and I met was through my role doing that. And it's that going back to that whole making connections. So I tried really hard to always make sure I was making connections, giving everyone the time of day. And so I did that for about six years. And oddly enough, I got approached one morning by a man who worked for another manufacturer and he asked me to coffee. And I said, oh yeah, sure. Like I would love, you know, thinking it's going to be a sales pitch type thing. He wants me to put his product out there. And what I didn't know is that it was actually a job interview. So met him for coffee, um, loved what he had to say, loved the company. I had been using some of their products on my own horses and decided to make the jump to manufacturing. It felt like the right next step for me. Due to my science background, I always loved digging into the data and being able to have that real connection and want to be an expert, where when I was in distribution, I had over 30,000 products. And you had to just kind of know the, you know, high overview of them, I wanted to be able to dig in. So that's when I made the switch over to manufacturing. And whenever I started out in that role, it was an equine only role. And I had about 13 states. So it was going to be more travel, but it was going to be equine focused. I started that in April. And by September, I not only had equine veterinarian, I had large animal that included food animal. I had equine OTC, which means over the counter. And I had Mm -hmm. small animal added for over the counter. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So talk about having to roll with change. I was very uncomfortable. I did not really have a large animal background outside of horses. And I didn't really have a small animal background outside of horses. Definitely not small animal cells experience. And I was already in the role. So I had to make the decision, either you go through all of the steps of accepting the change. Um, and that great boss, Jim Gibby, uh, helped me through it. And he said, you have to go through Sarah, which was, you know, you go through shock at first, then you have anger, <laughs> <laughs> then you reject the whole idea of it. You're like, absolutely not. I cannot do this. And then you get to acceptance. And after you get to acceptance, then you learn how to roll with it. You learn the good part of it. Um, and he always told me whenever we were going to this, I said, I can't do small animal cells. Like, what, what are you doing? I don't like small animals. I like equine. I'm the equine girl. And he said, I promise you this will pay off. Just give it a couple of years. It is going to pay off in your career. Trust me. And so I did. And it made a huge and? difference. <laughs> it actually led me to, um, I did that for a few years. And then after he retired, I moved into a role. I was fortunate enough to get a global role with that company um, as strategic initiatives manager. And wow. that's what- and I I have to stop there because I again there some people might say, okay, this is one of Jody's soapboxes, or she's gonna <laughs> preach a little bit. Versatility. Mm-hmm. And so as I coach young, you know, student to professional or early career professionals, versatility is one of my favorite topics to talk about. And we probably should be talking about it earlier on in our college careers. And that means there are many of us that may want to work in equine, but the more we know and the more versatile we are about being cross-functional with large animal, food animal, equine, companion animal, exotics, zoo, whatever that is, uh, those are, Courtney, skills that 
set you apart and give you, give you a competitive edge. So I don't want to bypass that without really enforcing how important that was that you may not have wanted to do it in that moment, but certainly our job is to embrace change. And I know that one of the three things you talk most about is learning new skills. And, and so I think that really applies to, and it probably applies not only to learning new skills, but your number two is being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So, um, yes, talk, talk us through that. Yeah. So I kind of look back and see during COVID was where my career kind of had a pivotal change with it. So like most sales reps, I was pulled off the road. I didn't know what to do with myself because I had been on the road since I graduated college. I didn't know a way of life any different. I didn't know how to function outside of that. And I took the time um, to really evaluate like, well, what else? Do I want to stay in sales for the rest of my life? Do I want to have this travel? What, what does this look like going forward? And so, um, you know, based on the advice from my wonderful boss at the time, he said, hey, I think that you have a real knack for marketing. You really tend to think of how our customers think. I think you should explore all the different ways that you could be involved in that. So I took that time to start reaching out to the marketing department, find out, okay, what does a marketer do? What does a product manager do? What does regulatory do? Finance, like figure out how all the pieces work together within animal health, because there are so many things that you could do outside of just being a sales rep. Yes. It, it was mind blowing to me. I'd been working in the industry for several years and had no idea what these other people do that made me have the ability to do my job. And through that, that's actually how I got the strategic initiatives role was because I had taken those initiatives to figure out all the different parts. And I wanted to learn a different part of the business. I wanted to learn key accounts. I thought maybe that was the way I was going to go. And so once I started that new role, it was a brand new role for the company as a whole, not just in the US, but globally. And no one really knew what it was going to be. So I had to be comfortable with change. One week, my role was this. And then next week, it was something totally different, depending on what we were getting from um, our head company in France. So that was quite a challenge. And every week, it was a different change. Wow. That's amazing. And tr to that point, it is so many opportunities that we didn't know about the day we walked across the stage. And we're like, okay, I'm going to take this job. And we think that there are these five or 10 opportunities out there. And really there are, and I say 500, but it's probably more like 5,000. And, you know, as you rattled off, it's marketing, it's finance, it's product management. It's all of these types of, of roles that are out there. And until you start doing, we don't always know what those opportunities are. Mm -hmm. And I think allowing myself to be open to new challenges helped me figure out what I actually was really good at and then what yes. I struggled with and how to get better. So now things that I used to struggle with are actually some of my strengths, which is a little mind blowing going back and looking at that. But it's right. really fun to see <laughs> the transition. Yes, for sure. And so then you are now in a pretty brand new role. So tell us about this recent transition. Yeah. So I recently um, transitioned over to a company that's uh, actually a very large startup. So I've always been in corporate, corporate roles before. So corporate America at first, then worked for a French company. 
And now I've moved over to a startup, which is a little scary, but I have figured out that that is where I want to be right now. It's very fast paced. Everything is changing every day. It is that, you know, eat, breathe, sleep, the role. And so I'm a product manager. Now I'm a senior product manager for therapeutics. So I handle um, PulseFet, which is a shockwave line, and then also a CC, which is a PEMF line. And that, you know, you think, okay, what is product management? So it's everything from ads, marketing materials, the five-year plan, where are we headed next? What do those projections look like? Training the sales force, which I actually really love having been out in the field myself. I feel like I can connect with them a little bit better than maybe traditional marketers can. And so it is a brand new challenge that I'm figuring out that, you know, being uncomfortable is what I'm going to have to get comfortable with. And it's exciting to me. I am so excited. And they hired me specifically because I had equine experience, but I had been doing small animal the last couple of years. And so I'm able to connect with both types of customers, which is something I look back at that experience, you know, five or six years ago where I was like, I do not want to do small animal that I want to be equine. And Jim telling me, no, no, I promise you it'll pay off. He was right. It definitely was right. (laughs) So a a shout out to Jim Gibby. Thank you for for that advice. And I also, and I was going to do it at the end, but I want you to repeat the Sarah, right? So whenever we want to say, well, I don't want to do that. That's not going to work. That's not who I am. That's not what I do. All the things that kind of come naturally, repeat Sarah for us. So our listeners, now they've got their journals in their hand and they're writing this down. This is what these processes are going to look like. Yeah. So your first step is going to be shock. You are shocked that you're being asked to make this change. And then you're going to be angry about it. So you're going to be mad that someone is asking you to do this. Then you're going to reject the idea completely. You're kind of taking that step back of, I do not want to do this. Absolutely not. And then you're going to accept it and then be hopeful again with it. So you've accepted it and now you see the path forward. I love it. So we have spelled out, Sarah, there's your new (laughs) acronym. This is, you can expect this as we face incredible change. If you are coming into these careers, we say it almost every episode, just embrace change. Yes, absolutely. So uh, one of the other pieces that I think is really brilliant from you, Courtney, we've talked about always being open and wanting to learn new skills. We've talked about the need to be comfortable being uncomfortable but you have a real passion for finding the right culture for you individually. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that a little bit and and tell us your take on finding the right culture and why that's a passion point for you. Yeah, so I think that culture, company culture is like a hot word right now. Anytime you're looking for jobs, you're talking to companies, they're all about telling you what is the culture of the company. And they all have buzzwords that get people really excited. But I think it's digging into the type of team you're going to be working with and the personality types. And what does that culture look like? So it's a company culture and then a subculture within the group that you're working with. And what does that feel like? So, you know, I started out in corporate America, which was great. I learned a lot. But from that big group, I was able to figure out what type of people could I make my support system with that. and. Those people helped. They were my mentors. Um, I had, you know, several older reps 
that put me in their car and they said, you're going to learn how to do this. And I could call them for anything. I still talk to a lot of them, you know, every other week, just we bounce ideas off of each other. And so I had that culture. Then I realized I wanted something a little bit different. I wanted to try, you know, not corporate America. I wanted to try something different. You always hear about the European way of life and the culture did that. And it was great. I will say um, I worked for Vedicanal and their company culture was great. It's very supportive, family-like. But whenever I was ready to move on, I wanted to find something. I wanted to find the right boss and the right mentor to really push me. I wanted to be pushed outside of my comfort zone. And I work really well with someone who is going to let me try to solve the problem and tell me, are, are my solutions the right path? after I've worked through it myself. And so I knew that that was a type of culture I needed to find. And I wanted something very fast paced that didn't have as many restrictions as maybe a corporate culture would have. And so that's what I'm trying now. And, you know, I'm going to learn something from it regardless of what the outcome happens. Um, You know, that's the big thing is figuring it out um, who you like to work for, who you don't like to work for, what type of companies you like to work for. And what you like to work for right now may not be what you want to work for in the next two or three years. I think that's been part of my transition. Every company I've worked with has been perfect for that time in my life and where I am with personal, professional, all the different things. And then it's time to move on at some point. And so it's all about always growing. You're not stuck in the same thing forever. And if you are, you're not growing. I couldn't agree more. I just, I mean, it's so exciting to hear you talk about that and share that passion. Um, I can hear that in your conversation. Tell me what your thought is on our own responsibility of maybe self-awareness as it relates to culture. How has that impacted for you? Have, Have you had those moments? Have you invested in any development? you know, what are those inputs that you feel are necessary from our individual perspective? Yeah, I think it's being really honest with yourself about what are your weaknesses and what do you need to work on? I think it's being open to taking that constructive criticism and whether you're, it's given to you in a constructive way, or if it's not really get to the root of that. And how can you self-improve? Um, I used to have a lot of trouble organizing everything and managing projects because I would take, I would always say yes. I was a yes person to everything and I would take on too much and then I would get overwhelmed. And so that's something I had to take self-reflection on and input from coworkers, um, leadership that was above me. And when you're given that kind of feedback at first, it can be a little hurtful. And you say, well, Mm -hmm. I thought I was doing a good job at that. I didn't realize that that was a real problem. So I had to allow myself to take that in and then figure out how I could work on it. Um, I was really fortunate that Vedicino offered LinkedIn Learning. And so I took advantage of that and took a lot of courses in project management. And now it's one of my strong suits because I gained the skills to be able to properly figure out how to work around those things. And that's been huge for me. What fantastic advice. And I love that you brought up LinkedIn learning as an opportunity there. A little bit of investment in our own development, our own skills and abilities, and understanding our own tendencies and behaviors really does go a long way. And again, I position that as being a competitive advantage. As you move through your career, as you are, you know, looking at opportunities, promotions, taking 
steps in and around the industry, those are the ways that you really set yourself apart. So I appreciate that advice, certainly, Courtney, as our listeners do. And from your perspective, what else would you suggest for our young listeners? Because as much as I think that we need to be coaching towards some of that kind of development, we can't do everything in college or in that first year or two. And so as we are talking to and speaking to young thrivers, as I'll call them, and making the transition from student to professional and into these careers, what other advice would you give, Courtney, from your seat today? I think the biggest thing is finding a mentor or multiple mentors. Um, I was really fortunate in that first role to find another sales rep who was, she was probably about 10 years older than me working in the equine space. And she was my person I could call if I had a bad, you know, sales call, I could call her and bounce ideas off of her, tell her what happened, get her advice. Um, I think whenever you're looking for a mentor, you don't have to find someone who's just doing the role that you're currently doing. Find someone who maybe has a role that you would aspire to do, or even find someone who works in a similar industry, but has traits that you really admire. Like for me, Dr. Debbie Spike Pierce is a mentor of mine. I admire her so greatly because to me, she walks into a room and she commands um, attention and presence in such a quiet way. And she has such a respect from everyone. And I've just learned so much from her and appreciate her because, I mean, she's a veterinarian. She isn't doing what I'm doing for my career, but I've learned so much from her on how to, you know, um, use myself, like a hold a presence in public and how to speak to a group and really be thoughtful about the conversations I'm having and just so many more things I could go on about. But I think having that mentor and identifying them, um, I've also fallen into that role with some of the girls at the barn while I, where I ride at, you know, I try to be open and let them bounce those ideas off of me. And I, I think that that is such an important thing to be a mentor and be a mentoree. Yes. And we call that here building a community. I am so passionate about that. I like to think that that's one of my superpowers mm-hmm. is really championing community in and around the industry. And it's exactly what you said that I'm going to push you to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. and pursue those, those folks that are 10 plus years ahead of you doing the things that you might be interested in doing. And in a recent episode, Courtney, I kind of laid out what I thought the process was because I think really understanding that we will start with acquaintances and then we have the opportunity to build that mentor and mentee framework in and around our lives. And that can be personal and professional. You did that really amazingly well in volunteering for Mm -hmm. organizations in and around the industry and the geography you were in. And then I also want to recognize that above and beyond mentors, as we move through our career, we should build also a champion group. And those are the folks probably very much like Jim Gibby, that when you are looking for the next opportunity or considering an opportunity and you want an interview or you need some support, it's the phone call that will make that happen for you. 
right? Mm-hmm. So we go from mentors to champions and every step of the way we earn that. We have to earn mentorship. We have to earn our champion circle. And then even beyond that, uh, we go from champions to having a small set of heroes, the people that are along our journey that have really changed our lives. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very important to, as you have so eloquently done, really define what that means and shout out to Dr. Spike Pierce because she yeah. is truly uh, an industry advocate, mentor, champion, and hero to so many. And she is that wife, mom, CEO, veterinarian, and um, just a great deal of, of respect. What a great example that is. Yeah, she has been amazing for me because she is, like you said, she balances all these things and she makes it look so easy. And she's so genuine that she'll have those conversations with you that it's not easy, but here's how she did it. And here's been her journey. Yeah. And I think finding several people in my life like that have really made the difference for me and given me that confidence to continue to push myself because they'll tell you if they stayed comfortable for very long, they wouldn't be where they are. Yes. And so there's, and, you know, as we kind of wrap up and put a little bow around everything, there are so many notes that we have today, but you have pointed back to my foundation, which is clarity and confidence and community. And that those are the things that we build along the way to get to where we are. But the other thing, Courtney, that is so important to me and really the reason why I am sharing these stories is that you and I both know that there are days that we survive and there are days that we thrive. And you can't live through the survival without a community around you. And so building that community, this is not unicorns and rainbows every day. And there are some tears in every journey. So I really want our listeners to understand that we are here to say you can do it. And even though your story is a beautiful success story, there have been some valleys. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, it's, you can equate it to anyone who's ever trained a horse. You have good days and you have bad days. And if you gave up every time you fell off, you wouldn't be where you are. So it's really easy to compare the two. Fantastic. Well, with that, I think as we wrap up, is there anything else, Courtney, that you want to share with our listeners? I'll ask you to certainly share where they you. I know that you are on LinkedIn as well. I'm a huge proponent of our listeners making an effort to be active on LinkedIn and be a part of the thriving equine professional group there. So let our listeners know any final words and thoughts and how to connect with you. Yeah. um, LinkedIn is definitely the place to find me. So I'm just Courtney Cownan on LinkedIn. I have a horse in my photo, so it's very easy to find me. I think it's just reach out to anyone within your network and don't be afraid to do that. So you might not know someone, but they may know someone who you have a mutual acquaintance with and just reach out. Don't be afraid to do that. And I think keep challenging yourself, you know, think back to my story of I was brave, but I was way more afraid of not having a job versus getting the no. The worst that can happen is the no. And, you know, if you just take that, you'll do just fine. We will all survive some no's in our life, certainly, whether we like it or not. Courtney, you have challenged us to go learn new skills, to get comfortable being uncomfortable, and to find and recognize the culture that will be a good fit for you. And not to mention the bonus of the 
So I hope that our listeners have learned as much as I have today and are inspired to continue growing and thriving. So certainly connect with each of us on LinkedIn. You can find me also at www.jodyspeakslife.com. That's J-O-D-I speakslife.com. So let us know uh, any questions that you have for us and how we can help you. And with that, I will say... Thrivers, have an amazing day and thanks for tuning in to The Thriving Equine Professional. We'll see you next week. Friend, I hope this episode inspired and empowered you to keep growing. If so, first, I want you to go share it with a friend. Second, I would be so grateful if you would pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review so I know you're here. And finally, come join me in our private LinkedIn group, The Thriving Equine Professional, as we build this community of equine leaders.